Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing's podcast number 86 on October 19th of 2022. Today I will be answering eight interesting investment questions. Question number one. Do share prices outperform dividends over the life of a portfolio? In the latest book that I am working on, I track share prices and dividend payouts of the 100 highest dividend payers on the New York Stock Exchange going back to 1999. The norm seems to be that the dividend payments increase steadily because the company executives are setting the gains while the share prices fluctuate up and down because speculators are determining the share price. There are many examples where dividend payouts are going up 10% or more each year while share prices are flat or going a few percentage points. This explains why with high dividend stocks, you must leave them alone. For the last 20 years, I've only invested in financially strong companies paying high dividends. To me, high dividends were a yield of 3.5% or higher. For my portfolios, I only consider stocks paying over 5%. Well, higher dividend stocks paying unusually high dividends over 10% get your attention. They are usually not financially strong. There are exceptions. If you go to my latest book, The American High Dividend Handbook, which analyzes high dividend stocks traded on the York Stock Exchange, Starting in page 128, you will find 22 stocks with dividend yields over 10%. Of these, 7 score over 50 on the IDM stock scoring software, which is quite an acceptable score. I avoid scores under 50. There are further 118 stocks paying dividends between 5 and 10%, scoring over 50 80% of these 118 are financially strong with scores greater than 50. When you see dividend yields going from dividend payments of 60 cents to 75 cents from one year to the next, you're seeing a 25% increase, which is often accompanied by a stock maybe only going for perhaps $10 to $11 a share you're seeing a 10% increase. The book shows many stocks paying such dividend payout gains year after year. With share prices being controlled by speculators, you can often see a drop in the share price the next year, while the dividend payouts continue to increase. This is because dividend payments are derived from profits, which are controlled by a company's executives and not by speculators. Such high dividends get paid even during market crashes and recessions, with many constantly increasing. High dividends for each stock indicate that for these exceptional companies, capital gains are increasing much faster than share prices. With over 16,000 stocks being traded in North America and a minority paying dividends. The high dividend stocks are the exception, but they do exist 
and their high dividend payments are very predictable. Question number two. What is the purpose of an annual report for investors? A stock share is a record of the fact you are an owner, along with many others, of a company. Those executives who are making revenue and expense decisions in your company for you are your employees. An annual report is a report card showing how good a job they are doing. Shareholders are ultimately in control of the company. They elect the directors who in turn hire the chief executive who runs the company for you. Question number three. Do you run your scans on your daily stock watch before the market opens, then watch to see if they match your personal criteria? I do not watch any stocks daily. What I do daily is record the total value of the portfolio and the total amount of cash it has delivered from the day before. Most days, I expect to see no change in cash, and I expect to see the total value of the portfolio changing as per media reports on changes in the stock exchange. If I see anything other than this, I may look closer, but this rarely occurs. I only invest in financially strong stocks paying high dividends. Doing this, I have realized an annual six-digit income from these stocks for about 20 years. During that time, the portfolio has increased by about 500%, and the dividends have grown steadily, keeping me well ahead of inflation. When I buy a stock, my intention is to hold it forever. Even during market crashes and recessions, the dividends I have seen how they are steadily paid, ever rising in some cases, despite the share prices dropping by as much as 50%. Why don't I panic? Because I can look back over decades of share prices and dividend payouts and see that in all the cases, the share prices recovered and again reached new record highs. Knowing this, there's no motivation to interfere with the portfolio on a daily basis. Dividends are paid from profits. Profits are derived from the wise expense and revenue decisions made by a company's executives. It is mass hysteria of speculators being motivated by the media and others who drive share prices up and down, not the company executives. I ignore hysteria in my investing. Question number four. Is borrowing money on a credit card and investing in the stock market a good idea? So, you're going to borrow money on a credit card at about 20% interest to speculate on stocks that are going to make you rich. Apparently, 93% of speculators lose money over time. This may not be the wisest path to riches. Perhaps you are not a speculator 
and you're going to invest in financially strong stocks, paying high dividends. Well, it is then unlikely for you to lose your money on your stock purchase. You will not make enough in dividends and capital gain to offset what you're paying on interest on your credit card. Thus, the amount you owe will increase and put you further into debt. If you are serious about investing with invested money, then find a lender who will charge you less than 5% to borrow money. At 5%, you may be able to average a gain of 1% or 2% above the cost of the loan. Of course, you have to do it as a self-directed investor. Otherwise, the Financial Investment Service will be subtracting 2% to 4% of the value of your portfolio every year. Question number five. Is it ever a good idea to invest money into the stock market if you don't know what you are doing? It is not a good idea to invest your money blindly in the stock market. Most likely, you would become a victim of a financial advisor who will put your money in stocks that generate income for him or her rather than you. It takes very little effort to build a strong portfolio as a self-directed investor if you invest in a logical, straightforward manner. You do not need to be an accountant, an MBA, or a broker to research and select safe stocks that should double the size of your portfolio in five years. Over a lifetime, you could save yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars in broker's fees, commissions, and charges. I first helped a friend, an 80-year-old widow who knew little about investing or finance. She lost over $300,000 in the few years that her financial advisor had control of her money. Over the last four years, she has recovered the $300,000 and continues to successfully manage and grow her portfolio. She got me to write books about what I taught her. Trying to help educate more people, I also created a website and have a weekly podcast where you can at least get an understanding of what to look for and what to avoid. I advise checking them out before you risk any money. Question number six. What are the benefits of choosing a regulated broker over an unregulated broker? The question really should be, why have a broker at all? Especially in this day of the internet, where the far more information is freely available than you need to carefully select financially strong, safe stocks paying high dividends that can be bought in a few seconds over the internet for a processing fee of less than $10 as a self-directed investor. Why would you bother with a broker? Do you really think a broker employed to generate revenue from his clients for a financial institution is going to be as concerned about your portfolio as you are? Do you really think they are smarter than you are? 
It takes very little effort to build a strong portfolio if you invest in a logical and straightforward manner. You do not need to be an accountant, MBA, or broker to research and select safe stocks that should double the size of your portfolio in five years. Over a lifetime, you could save yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars in broker fees, commissions, and charges. You do not need a broker. Question number seven. How do you determine the true results of a public company's financial position in its annual report? I doubt if the true results of any publicly traded company on a stock exchange can ever be known. What is true? Well, their financial status is duly reported in their annual and quarterly releases. Is it possible these historical records are carefully manipulated to present the best possible image of the company's financial status? Are the assets and sales figures fluffed up while liabilities are buried? There is too much at stake. This pushes the truth into a dark corner. For example, the auditing firm wants to get next year's audit, so they're, so they're certainly not objective reporters. They'll be very careful how any negatives are reported. The company executives want to make sure their stock options are richly rewarded, so they will push to buy shares in the company to increase sales figures to motivate speculators to buy and pay higher amounts for their shares. To reduce reported liabilities, suppliers will be quite willing to hold back billings until the new fiscal year or offer extended payment terms in order to maintain their inflated, profitable sales to the corporation. Some customers are quite willing to pay advanced billings before delivery so that the revenues go into this fiscal year if in return they receive a significant discount on their future purchases. Phantom sales to subsidiaries and affiliated companies can be made to bolster the company's revenue figures if that helps present a stronger picture of the company's financial status. On and on, the game of presenting their true financial status goes on. You only get to see whatever true financial status that the clever accountants and chief executive and the chief financial officer are able to construct. Question number eight. If someone already owns shares of a stock, why would they keep buying more at the market price? There is a thing called dividends. You buy stocks that pay dividends. What you are buying is income. Thus, if you have spare cash, you buy more stocks to increase your income. What is interesting is that financially strong companies paying high dividends continue to pay those dividends, even in some cases, he increasing the dividend payments during market crashes and recessions. If 
you live off your dividend income, the sheer price of stocks you own becomes almost irrelevant. Such strong prices that dip as much as 50% and a market crash again rise to new record highs. Thus, market crashes are a great time to buy more high-dividend stocks because you're getting more income at a bargain market price. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com.